Hello and welcome to Adam and Eve on CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton and around the world on CJSR.com. My name is Rose Eva Forks Jenkins. I'm Wen Chan. I'm Luis Fuentes. I'm Michelle Dang. And I'm Autumn Mornjek. And we'll be your hosts for today's super extra special fun drive episode of Adam and Eve. Thanks for tuning in. Adam and Eve is Edmonton's only feminist news radio show. We are adamant on highlighting, discussing, and engaging with issues that affect women across Edmonton and around the world. For the past 30 years, CJSR has been a voice for diverse communities not represented on radio anywhere else in the city, broadcasting alternative news, cultural programming, and underground music that cannot be heard anywhere else, and with a strong focus on platforming local voices. CJSR has also long been a place of inclusion where people of any age and background can learn the various aspects of broadcasting. CJSR is proud to be a volunteer-run radio dedicated to pushing the status quo. This year's annual fundraising event, Fun Drive, theme is Audio Obscura. So join us while we bring you some obscure stories and facts that may just blow your mind. And Fun Drive will keep blowing your mind all week from 7 a.m. on October 29th to 6 p.m. on November 6th. We are asking you to show support for independent radio and make a donation to your favorite CJSR program. If it's us, we'd love to we'd love to feel the donation love. If it's another program, that's great. Donate to them. Whoever you want to donate to, we love it and we love you for giving us money. So mark your calendars and start searching your couch cushions, breaking open piggy banks and rifling through coat pockets because every dollar helps us reach our goal of $100,000. And off the top, I wanted to tell you how you can do that. You can text this year. We have automatic texting where you text the word CJSR to the number 41010 to automatically donate $10 to Fundrive. How cool is that? Send a cheeky little text and the next thing you know, it's a donation. And let me tell you a little bit about the prizes that you can win. So our swag levels for this year, $30 gets you a Friends of CJSR card, $75 gets you a decal, a little holographic sticker, who doesn't love stickers, putting them everywhere. Uh, next, for $150, you get a t-shirt and a decal and a Friends card. For $250, you get a really cool enamel pin with this year's logo and all the things I already mentioned. And then for $500, you get a tote bag, you can put all your CJSR swag in there, and then for $600, you get a hat! It's gonna be cold soon, don't you wanna cover up? Get a hat, donate to CJSR and you'll get one. So donate now. Uh, the other ways of donating is by calling 780-492-2577, extension zero. And you can also donate online at cjsr.com donate. Who doesn't love a good tote bag and a hat, right? Um, so for this very special fun drive episode, we will first be continuing our favorite tradition of doing a BuzzFeed quiz that aligns with the fun drive theme this year, which again is Audio Obscura. Uh, and then we will dive into a discussion about witchcraft and the occult and how these somewhat obscure and often taboo topics connect with feminism and gender. 
after that, we will spend some time sharing some interesting and thought-provoking obscure feminist facts that we were able to dig up, so stay tuned. Before we begin our first segment, let's hear from our dear co-host and longtime Adam and Eve contributor, Luis Cifuentes, on why he finds importance in producing radio on Adam and Eve and what your support means to us and CJSR. All right, thank you very much for that introduction. I feel thankful for being in this space. First of all, to learn about feminism as a whole, and more generally to kind of open up the radio space for topics such as feminist history, feminist struggles, and to empower feminist voices from around Treaty 6 and uh, so-called Canada. So in this way, we as content creators at CGS, I appreciate very much your help as listeners, as well as of any financial help that you can offer to this radio station so we can continue to have this space to, as I mentioned before, talk about like feminist struggles and even dismantle narratives and uh, perhaps a fight against capitalism in some way or another. And it's and the patriarchal systems of oppressions that it reproduces. I feel that ultimately a support for CJSR is a support for augmenting the voices of our communities. And uh, community radio is a valuable tool for members in the community to share their stories, their passions, their skills, as well as their ideas on and takes on society. So yeah, please donate. Uh, I'm very happy to do this fun drive with this group and uh, I would like to keep it doing. So please donate. <laughs> Thank you, Luis. Oh, we're so happy to have you on Adam and Eve and love hearing your wonderful words. Um, and now we're gonna uphold the tradition of Adam and Eve on FunDrive, which is to do a quiz. So on the theme of Audio Obscura, we went to buzzfeed.com to get the finest quizzes available. <laughs> And we found the one that says, which mythical creature are you? And I can't wait to find out. So as a group, we're all going to pull up our um, BuzzFeed quizzes. And if you at home also want to do the quiz along with us, and you can also find out what mythical creature you are, we'd love to know. Okay, so pick a combination of the elements. Wind and fire, fire and sky, sea and wind. Earth and fire, fire, sea and fire, earth and sky, wind and sky, earth and wind, or sea and earth. Why is it wind and sky? That's so weird. I know some of the combinations. I'm like, I don't know how to feel about this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll go for chaos, wind and fire. <laughs> <laughs> I chose earth and sky. Yeah, I, I love, well, maybe being an Alberta, Alberta person, that's what I think of. I think of the big expanse of earth and the nice big sky. I like both those things. That's what I picked too. I was like thinking of battling like a demon or something. So I picked <laughs> sea and wind because then I could like alter the air to make it like hurricane. I love that you have like a whole story going on. <laughs> that's killer. Yeah, I picked sea and fire. That's what I picked. They made me think about things that I enjoy and I love watching waves like in the ocean. I find it very relaxing and also like sitting around a campfire, staring into a campfire, I also find very relaxing. So I picked two ones that I kind of find calming in certain scenarios. I love that Wen's ready to fight and Autumn's ready to like. I'm like, what's gonna make me chill out? Wen's like, I'm like demons. <laughs> All right, next question. What is a hero to you? An obstacle, a wizard, the pure-hearted dinner, 
a go-getter, a believer, a tree hugger, a nuisance, or a strong person? I picked a go-getter because it's in the middle. <laughs> I picked the pure hearted because I was like, yeah, I guess that's that's heroic. All like very strange options. I know it was really interesting. I picked a believer because I think that's that whole like never giving up kind of thing, you know? Seems like an important quality in a hero. I'll take dinner. I, I think <laughs> who can cook a mean dinner, it's a hero. <laughs> I was between dinner or the pure hearted, but I think the pure hearted. Okay, the next question is pick a sky. And now I'm going to describe <laughs> these different images that we have. It's going to be great. Okay, so the first one is like a blue sky with some white wispy clouds. Then we have a night sky with some stars. It's very dark night sky with some stars. And then the next one is like a cloudy sky, but it seems to be at sunrise, sunset. So the clouds kind of have that orange hue to them, like from the, the sun. Um, the one after that is like, again, starry sky, but instead there's like a moon and it seems to be like sunset time more so. Then we have like a gray cloudy sky, kind of dreary. Uh, then we have a fully clear blue sky. It's open, no clouds at all. And then we have like a stormy sky. There's a lightning bolt. Um, and then there's one that's like just pure sunshine. It looks to be like a little bit of clouds, but it's a big sun. Then the last one is like, seems to be like a cloudy day with sun. And there's also some tree branches involved in that one as well. So hopefully for all the listeners at home, we can all visualize the beautiful <laughs> descriptions that I've given. That's amazing. I feel like I would have done a better job just listening alone. <laughs> um, I chose the one with the moon at sunset. Um, I like the moon a lot and that looked nice and calming. So I was really drawn to the like, galaxy looking one or the night sky with all the like little stars just imagining laying on a field stargazing yeah I picked the same one for the exact same reason I was just feeling the stargazing vibes (laughs) I picked the very last one with the with the tree branches there I'll go for the galaxy shot I like that okay next question um what do you look for in a significant other Quick wit, tenacity, strong swimming skills, uh, longevity, sense of adventure, optimism, level-headedness, money, or playfulness. Strong swimming skills. <laughs> that's, that's crucial to me. That's a deal breaker. <laughs> a deal breaker. You can't swim, it's not going to work out. <laughs> I went with sense of adventure because I think that is important. Trying new things, taking risks, all that kind of stuff kind of feel like fits in there. I like playfulness. Let's take with playfulness. I picked quick wit. I think strong swimming skills because if I <laughs> the wind and fire, they need to survive like a water storm, and I can't swim that well. So, love this narrative. You're taking like all you got the whole thing like your answers from before. It's a whole story where you're spinning. <laughs> Is it an enemies to lover kind of story? Yeah, the demon that you were fighting right now. <laughs> can go stargazing after <laughs> perfect <laughs> um maybe i'll choose optimism because i don't like when people are pessimistic and really negative now we have to pick our favorite food um the first picture is fruit like the picture i think really depends on it but like if it was bad fruit but this is like it looks nice there's peaches there's blueberries even some flowers which was like okay but you know whatever works looks very delicious next is ice cream and it's like 
a big bowl with three like chocolate and then like chocolate sauce on top the next one is salad it looks like a I don't know like it looks like a good salad but it's still like you can see what Rosiva thinks of salad just <laughs> by the description I, like I like salad I like salad a lot but this one it just kind of I don't know like there's like some shrimp and an egg and some avocado maybe it's because it's like really far away it looks smaller <laughs> um next is steak and they're like three big pieces of like there's like the crosses in them like it looks like very delicious steak the next one is fried dot calamari. I don't know why it's fried period calamari, but that's what it says. Uh, and it kind of looks like an assortment. I don't know if it would just be calamari, but there's our fried dot calamari. Those look like onion rings to me. That's what I thought too. Like they just They're kind of onion big rings to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, is this a true photo of fried dot calamari? <laughs> like I don't believe it. Yeah, it's um, I don't know, a little. Sus, but maybe if you're like playful and adventurous, you want to know what's going on with those onion ring calamaris, you know, again, all options are valid. Uh, next is pizza. And I got to say, like, there's so many generic pictures of pizza, but that's not a generic pizza. There's like, so okay, first of all, it's square shaped. Then there's sauce. Then I think it's like basil leaves that are falling off. Then like some red onion and like some green stuff. And then like some white stuff that could be feta, but like, I just want to say, whoever picked these pictures, I don't know about this pizza. It's like a very bougie looking pizza. Like, it's I'm a like, bougie why can't pizza, we just yeah. Have... Yeah, it's a... <laughs> I'm like, I just want a classic cheese, man. Like, I don't need, like. <laughs> yeah, very interesting choices. Uh, next is the pad thai, which is, yeah, noodles, and then a shrimp on top, some green onions, thai, oh, and peanuts, also very important. Uh, next is ramen, and very delicious looking ramen. There's, like, if I had to guess, I would say that it's tonkatsu because it has the like pork slice, um, the egg, maybe some bamboo shoots, some noodles, and the little um, what is it? The little uh, it's called nardo. A little swirly in the middle. Yeah. Oh, cool. And then last one is the hamburger. This one is more of a. It says via Getty Images, and we can tell because it looks like a very <laughs> looking hamburger. No problems with it. <laughs> Big meat in the middle. Lots of pickles, um, tomatoes, lettuce in the back. There's also implications of fries. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to choose the ramen just because it looks it looks very tasty. I love a hearty bowl of ramen. I chose pizza, but I would not chose the specific image of pizza. Like I would have more like thick crust cheese, a bit more decadent. This pizza would not do. Yeah, I could really go for some pizza right now too. I'll start with steak. I like steak <laughs> I also picked a ramen. Imagine swimming in a pool of ramen. That'd be the best. <laughs> Giant. <Cute. laughs> oh, okay. Describe yourself in one word. Hungry, carefree, mysterious, persistent, irritable, aloof, evasive, bubbly, flexible. I feel like a lot of these could be seen as like kind of more like negative <laughs> descriptors. I'm like irritable, evasive. I also like that there's hungry as an option. Yeah. I mean, one after one, that fried oh. dot calamari, hungry <laughs> person fried dot calamari. I think that does describe me though, so I'll go with hungry. <laughs> I think I've been described as bubbly. I think I'll go with persistent. I think I like. I will keep trying until it literally will not work. <laughs> I also picked persistent as well. I feel like I'm. Yeah, you know, just keep going at her. <laughs> 
Um, mm, 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 I guess I'll pick um, Carefree. Sure, let's pick that one. All right, next we're gonna pick a place to live. The first one is like a turquoise, a tropical ocean with little, like those hot things on the ocean. There's a name for them, I don't know, with palm trees in the back, blue sky. The next one is this singular tree with a huge tree house and a ladder and a, another ladder. And then the next one is like, how to describe this, like a pillar thing. <laughs> It looks like the Coliseum. Coliseum. Yeah. I know my places. Um, <laughs> and ha- like the top part of it is like destroyed. And then the next one is a spooky woods type of thing with a lot of fallen leaves. All the trees are bare. The next one is like houses made out of sand material alongside this hill. The next one's like in a cave in the mountains overlooking a great landscape and then there's this spooky woods in the nighttime with like grassy fields and like a bluish tint to everything and then this one is a like ocean in a storm with a singular boat no one in it and stormy sky and the last one is like a rocky hill with a little dirt path like how one of the places to live is literally just like in a small boat on the ocean. <laughs> like <laughs> boat. And a great place to eat some fried dot calamari. <laughs> uh, have some fried dot calamari in my tiny boat that I live on in the ocean. Beautiful. I like the last one. I like the Rocky Hill kind of thing. Yeah, I'll go with that one too. Yeah. I chose a little like tree house just because it was the one that actually had a structure, like <laughs> <laughs> a feasible place a human could live. And also like there's some trees in a field. It looks like a nice sunny day. I picked the tree house too. I was like, this looks like a nice abode. I'm into it. <laughs> Me too. I've always wanted to live in a tree house since like Barristan Bears. Did they even live in a tree house? Well, they lived in like an actual tree. Their house was just the tree. Right. Oh, that's what it is. Their house is the tree. I'd be into that too. I'd also live inside of a tree. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was the last question. So we should all get our answer um, for which mythical creature we are. Um, so I got phoenix. Oh, wow. And this is there's like a little descriptor that goes with it. So it says, you fiery inferno of awesome. You're associated with hope, immortality, and regeneration. You're essentially immortal. So you're an old soul and a pro at deflecting drama without causing more conflict. You prefer observation to action and you're an excellent judge of character. You're quiet by nature, but when it comes to a fight, you're a fierce adversary. And the gif is like Fox the Phoenix from Harry Potter. So I'm very into it. So I got fairy. Um, It says positively enchanting. You're naturally adorable, but your enemies are in for a nasty surprise if they think that means you're helpless. You're feisty and quick to act, and you're a bit of a trickster and enjoy practical jokes. You know how to enjoy yourself. From appreciating a sunny day to standing in what you think is right, you carpe the diem always. Oh, boy. (laughs) And the gif is Tinkerbell. I also got fairy. Nice. Yes. I got I got unicorn. Oh, me too. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> a majestic unicorn. 
mm-hmm. he's doing this in the game oh so for the listeners <laughs> and our description is uh you magical perfect creature you have a pure heart and you always see the best in people you value the simple pleasures in life and you're an eternal optimist you're protective of those close to you but you avoid conflict at all costs you do best in small crowds and one-on-one situations and when you trust someone you trust them entirely oh. i think a lot of positive that was good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was good. Well, I hope listeners, you had a great time listening to us talk about our magical creatures, and we hope you also did too. So now we're going to jump into our next segment. So we're going to hear from Autumn first about why community radio is important to her and why support from you, the listeners, is integral to keep our programs going. Yeah, so um, I love CJSR and I especially love Adam and Eve. I've been doing this show for a few years and I think I've talked about it before on previous Fun Drive things, but the sense of community that we're able to create with each other, I think is so important and so vital, especially during these times that we're in right now and have been for the last two years where we can feel very separate from each other. Um, Adam and Eve and CJSR community as a whole has been something that I've definitely leaned on for support and some laughs and, you know, just like good times. Um, So I think that it's super important that we're able to keep producing these kinds of shows for listeners everywhere, you know, to feel a little bit more connected. And part of that ability to keep this community going is from donations from all the listeners out there, which is why we encourage you guys uh, to help us out during this fun drive season and give what you can so that we can keep producing these shows. And if you're wondering, where can I donate? Well, don't worry, let me tell you. So first off, you can text the word CJSR to 41010 to automatically donate $10 to Fundrive. And where else can you donate? Well, you can go to cjsr.com slash donate to donate online. And you can also call our wonderful volunteers that are on the line, ready to take your call at 780-492-2577, extension zero. Yeah, donate, donate, donate. Uh, so now we're gonna, we're gonna jump from what mythical creature we are to witchcraft and your cult and how it connects to gender and feminism. Yeah, so to start things off, let's discuss what witchcraft and the occult is, or typically thought to be. I found kind of a good overarching definition on uh, Britannica.com that kind of sums up what I think we traditionally kind of assume witchcraft is or associate it with. Uh, So it says, witchcraft traditionally, the exercise or invocation of alleged supernatural powers to control people or events, practices typically involving sorcery or magic. Although defined differently in disparate historical and cultural contexts, witchcraft has often been seen, especially in the West, as the work of crones who meet secretly at night, indulge in cannibalism, and orgtastic rites with the devil or Satan and perform black magic. And then when we look at the term occult, it typically refers to the supernatural, mystical, or magical beliefs, practices, and phenomena. So first off, what does everyone think about witchcraft or the occult? Do you know a lot about it? Have you ever had any interest in these areas or anything like that? Or are you interested to learn more? So yeah, kind of open the floor. What is everyone's thoughts? For me, I took a religious studies course on witchcraft and occult a few years ago, and I feel like I forgot like 90% of everything. What I kind of got out of that class was, it was a way to 
label certain women who like had knowledge in healing or who were skilled and who like had a lot of knowledge in areas as bad and as witches to take power away from them. And that showed up also in the like Salem witch trials and the labeling of like occult can be seen in these practices and also especially like indigenous practices, which like label their knowledge and their customs as like black magic when it differs from whiteness. So I found it kind of like parallel to like some things we see right now happening with how certain cultures are demonized and how still women who are especially skilled in areas are like criticized more or are like seen as they didn't earn it as like a man would earn it. And now that I like am on TikTok, I'm seeing a lot of like witch TikToks, which I think is very interesting and needs a little more critique looking at it because it's seen as like sometimes this trendy thing in which like you can buy your way into being a witch and stuff. So yeah, I'll pass it on to someone else. So when I really appreciated the podcast link that you sent of your professor talking to uh, someone about the course. And yeah, I really appreciated just kind of the professor's thoughts on um, like the way that people used witches or witchcraft as the other. So like anything that we don't like that we want to put as other, we're just going to label that as like bad and as witchcraft. And I think that's why like, I feel like everyone goes through like a witchy like kids who are like into horror movies or like counterculture alternative it makes sense that like witchy kind of goes into like alternative culture because it's like people who feel like they're othered or feel like they're not part of the norm that like gives them a place to like go and like try and like finding something that like works for you and it feels like when you like see stories about witches like you know girls who are like smart and adventurous and curious and like folklore they called as being like something against the dominant narrative and I think like that's what's cool about like tying it back to CGSR is it like ties back to like what we're doing we're like going against the dominant narrative and we're looking for those others and it's like a place for like to find community like witches together and they're like communities of like people who are like othered and being told that what they're doing is wrong and like finding community with each other so like that's kind of what brought to mind I'm like oh that's like CGSR like finding places where you know um, um, so it made me think of one of my favorite witch movies is The Craft and the iconic line or one of them goes like they're a group of teenage girls and they're like using their witchcraft to kind of like go against the people that have harmed them and then like there's a man driving the bus and he's saying like oh be careful there's a lot of weirdos out there and they look at him and they're like we are the weirdos mister and that's usually what I think of I think of as people misjudging women or thinking of them as like we're dismissing you you're not important but like being like actually no we are powerful and you're like you don't know yeah I love that idea like I think that is true where witches and witchcraft I think can be used a lot by like teenage girls or young girls who are kind of in that uh kind of like rebellion rebellion something because it is that kind of very female empowerment I feel like kind of something that that girls get out of it is kind of you know the idea of having a coven and being in like a strong group of women and having that power I was very into witchcraft when I was 12 and 13, I will admit. And I used to like, you know, read tarot cards and I had an altar and was doing spells. And I was like, this is the most badass thing that I could be doing right now. But it was very like empowering at the time, you know, to be thinking that I was like out there, like, you know, putting hexes on people or whatever it was I was doing. Um, and I also love The Craft. It's also a very good movie. And they did a, I don't know if it's like a remake, but like I, they did another 
the craft that came out, I think last year or the year before. And I recently watched it and it also was very good. I was, you know, I never know about remakes, um, but same thing. It was like kind of a new take in the more modern area era of like uh, female empowerment. And they had a lot of boys, like young boys, you know, who are also trying to kind of be woke or, you know, kind of trying to be involved in like feminist issues and what it looks like to be a man and be a feminist. Which I thought was kind of interesting that they threw that in there. But yeah, I think that there can be like a lot of sense of community around that. Yeah, the craft is definitely a good one. One of my favorite folklore kind of things about witches is like Baba Yaga. It's like a, I think Russian fairy tale, but Baba Yaga is like this little witch who lives in like that house that stands on the chicken legs. I don't know if you've ever seen any imagery of that, but she lives in the woods and like she flies around in a mortar and pestle. And I just, I feel like I want to be Baba Yaga. I want to live in the woods in a house that stands on chicken feet and just like terrify people. Like I'm very into that as an old lady, but I think she's a very cool character because she's very like, she helps out people who need it or who deserve it and kind of like, you know, punishes like the bad people. I think she's a very fun fairy tale character. Uh, And the other one, I also have a podcast. It's also very good. That's more historically accurate, but it's called Unobscured. And the first season, they do a different kind of story that has to do with magic each season. But the first season is like, they go heavily and tell the story in detail of the Salem witch trials, which is like, it's like historically accurate and stuff. And that one was really interesting. It was eye-opening for me because I feel like we hear a lot about it, but to get the actual like nitty gritty details of the stuff that happened and kind of what can happen when that kind of sense of just that crowd, like, you know, everyone's whipping each other up into a frenzy, like that kind of like crowd mentality and just like going off the rails. So it's kind of interesting that that mob mentality thing. Um, So that's podcast called Unobscured. And if you're interested in the Salem Witch Trials and kind of getting a deep dive into information about that, I thought that one was really interesting and like informative in a more kind of historical sense, which I think is important to, to remember that these things like, you know, actually did happen. And a lot of women and like men too were persecuted for like not doing anything. <laughs> we're just like hanging out. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of times, you know, it's like fairy tales and folklore and stuff like that, but unfortunately it kind of bled into, into real life. Yeah. I was, I, I mean, I was born under Catholicism. So for me, perhaps culturally like witchcraft itself was not very present, but we do like have like that cultural connotation of like somebody's a witch or somebody's a, like does some rituals that are obscure and stuff like that but it's not in the negative sense it's more like okay this house has something wrong or <laughs> this house has a malfunction or this functionality let's call somebody to just get rid of it <laughs> it's it's kind of funny because uh, like while learning biology one, one of the crazy things is that like in Colombia we have this thing called el sereno which nobody knows what it is but it's like ingrained in our culture that sereno is is just a time of day when the wind or whatever sereno is is more active (laughs) so you can either use it to sanitize things like or but if you like go outside during the sereno you get sick like from a biology perspective makes no sense whatsoever (laughs) does it happen like every day or like when does it happen yeah sereno is always everywhere it's like a wind it exists in the area it's the thing that but it exists like you can manipulate it and and witchcraft people could manipulate it like for example to to uh, aid babies in like some kind of digestive problem like leave it in sereno for a few minutes and stuff like that like oh my god so like i i don't know i have this 
we're a positional uh, posture against in any kind of occult thing. Cause like it's for me, it doesn't make any sense. Like biology sense, it doesn't make sense. Right. But there's a whole cultural thing, but like it makes it exist. It materializes in some, some kind of way. So it's very, very interesting. Yeah. That is so interesting. I've never heard about that. I'm just like, whoa. And so like, do you know if it like originated somewhere or it's just like kind of like folklore? There's a version that says that during like very colonial beginnings, Sereno would be a person who goes around houses and turning the lights on in the morning, right? Because you don't have like electricity, but you have like candles and stuff like that. So would be the person who, who does that. Like technically that kind of helps the local community kind of thing. That's kind of the most logical thing you can get out of it. Like if I said, I know was a person that was helpful, like, I don't know. It just, but it's a very interesting topic. nonetheless. And then for me, I guess, like I, I grew up in a non-religious household. So my exposure to witchcraft and like wizardry and things like that was just from Harry Potter, basically. And so it was obviously like a very positive, I guess, um, kind of view on um, everything. So I didn't really think too much about it until I guess like I was talking to my friend one day and she's Christian and she was like, no, my parents don't allow me to like read Harry Potter because of the witchcraft in it. So that's like, I guess my first time thinking, oh, maybe this is like something else. Yeah, it's like a very common thing that I've heard too, like the people not being allowed to read like Harry Potter. My stepmom grew up in a very religious household and she was not allowed to see star wars because that kind of was seen as like some magical like sci-fi stuff that was not true or any kind of things that were along that and it kind of brings back to like what when was talking about where i feel like it witchcraft really comes up when we're talking about like christianity and stuff because it seems like that's kind of the like the boogeyman that's used right like anything that's kind of different is like oh that's witchcraft you know like oh that's like the bad stuff and i think it does have a lot to do with like labeling different cultures and like you know things that we don't understand we kind of label it as like bad or like crazy or unscientific you know that kind of idea that it's like you know just like wacky and we shouldn't listen to it and then even going back to the podcast I think um, they were talking about how you know Jesus turned water into wine and how that like if anyone else did it it would be seen as witchcraft but like it really just depends on who's doing it and you know what's going on with them I guess yeah, and there was even like for example, I, I think somebody mentioned about the witches doing kind of thing in a pot and like mix mixing mixing things. And it also remind me that like alchemy used to be a very early version of chemistry, right? Like we put like we know elements or so we categorize elements, but back then like elements weren't a thing. That's true too for like other witchcraft rituals too, right? A lot of it came from like healing things, like you know, and, and there is like, you know some kind of like scientific background in terms of like certain plants or herbs can provide, you know, like actual benefits. But like back then, right, that wasn't like what it was seen as. Like it was, you know, kind of this like magical, like, you know, scientists were almost kind of seen as that like magical, like, how are you doing this? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. For example, for the sereno, like one of the ways you could protect yourself is like if you're inside and it's dark at night, you have to put your scarf or whatever to cover your your mouth, like your kind of breathing areas. It's like, well, that's awfully a lot like what we do right now for coronavirus, right? Like we put our, our thing, like maybe, like because of the thing, like Bogota, has, it's endemic to pulmonary diseases, like influenza and stuff like that. So it could just be in a like very rough version of like, okay, whatever is outside is going to ill us in some way. So 
put it like cover your faces <laughs> yeah that's interesting it's like people try to figure it out but you know what i mean like they know that something is happening that is bad but it's that thing where we couldn't yet pinpoint like the actual like what this is so you kind of make it into like you know kind of like a supernatural thing or spiritual thing because you don't know how to describe it like any other way one thing I did want to mention in terms of like recommendations or like cultural narratives um so when I was younger I read a lot of Terry Pratchett which was like Terry Pratchett is like an old British guy who wrote there's a whole world of like kind of um, witches and wizards and blah, blah, blah. I reread it recently and he specifically has a book called The Witches. And it's like, I didn't really recommend that one. I like rereading it as an adult. I was like, oh yeah, this is why I love these books so much as a kid. Cause it's like, it is kind of like in a fantasy world but it's really a comment on the world that we live in. And like the witches in his book are just mostly like women that are like very smart and very perceptive and like, her story of like being a witch and like she's like oh I'm not a witch but she's just like a very smart perceptive girl and it's like the magic is more like the magic of like people being able to like do stuff in their community and like her grandma was a witch but like the witchcraft that's described as like the witchcraft of like showing people how to treat each other right or like being able to like create it's hard to describe but it's like I love the idea of like taking like what women do and but like women's roles in community and seeing that as witchcraft and being like this is like something that's very ordinary but there's something really like magical and special about the way that the roles that women have in community and like what they're able to do and like being able to provide for everybody and all that and yeah that was a representation of witchcraft recently that I really liked. Kind of like Kiki's delivery service. (laughs) Yeah that's a great one. (laughs) It's the same thing it's that idea of like that everyday magic you know like magic can be like simple like it's not always like grand as some of the things I like that like everyday magic it makes me think too about like um another movie practical magic it's a movie that I uh, very much enjoyed growing up <laughs> but it's the same thing where a lot of the magic in that movie is like I don't know not like super grand kind of crazy stuff you know it has to do with like love or friendship or relationships and things like that and that idea of kind of like that everyday magic kind of thing yeah practical magic it's love so good yeah, I think that speaks to like how care work of women and like queer folks is like undermined a lot of times um, in contrast to like the heroic, super strong man who like saves the day and stuff like that man wouldn't be there if people didn't care for him and that community didn't support him. I love that. Just the everyday magic of loving the best we can. Also like that also like by labeling that as witchcraft, it like subjugates women as like reproductive labor only being tied to like biology and stuff and like undermining the different ways that they contribute to community. Yeah and I appreciated what you said earlier when about like yeah indigenous traditions and the way that folks viewed that and the way that that was a a way of like viewing it as other and almost like um, I'm reminded of a conversation that I had where one time I went skiing with my buddy and he's Métis and so like before our day of like going snowboarding he's like oh he took out his like offerings for his grandma he's like yeah my grandma gave me this tobacco so I'll like sprinkle the tobacco so that we have like a good ride and everything's good and I was like cool awesome and then later I like 
hurt myself, but it wasn't too bad. And then I was like describing this to some other people and they were like, oh, the offerings, like that must have worked. That's how you like didn't hurt yourself too much. And I was like, no, this isn't like, this isn't like a one equals the other kind of witchcraft. It's like, you're doing this as ceremony and it's like a ceremonial purpose. And like, you're doing it not because like, I want this to happen. And it's not like, you know, I just felt like in that moment, people were kind of relegating indigenous traditions to witchcraft and I was like no it's not about performing a tra tradition or like a ceremony because you want a desired outcome it's like you do ceremony because it's the right thing to do and because that's what your ancestors want not because I want to like perform something and then get something out of it yeah I think a lot of times like ritual itself is like what is important if that makes sense like not like what you may or may not get out of it but like I think rituals and that kind of tradition thing like and even just keeping those rituals and traditions alive like you know like like you had talked about like being it's about like what the ancestors want or paying your respects to your ancestors and things like that like I think part of it too right is kind of keeping up the traditions and the rituals because I think those are important to community and unfortunately so much of those traditions and rituals have been lost to like colonialization and I think yeah, like keeping it alive is important. And it's not always like a supernatural, like, you know, when you kind of put that label of like, oh, you know, you conjured up some sort of like supernatural thing that made you like not get as hurt or whatever. I think that, yeah, I can kind of label it as like very kind of like othering it when it's it's more about the actual like ritual itself, the tradition, like keeping that alive as part of like culture and things like that, which I think sometimes is like what is important. Because I think like, for example, when I took on to science, it was to dismantle Catholicism because I was very oppositional to it. And it led me to like, he mentioned, actually, he mentioned Richard Dawkins in, in, the, in the episode. He does a terrible job of, of like actually dismantling religion. He just like, categorizes religion as whatever, like these weird people are doing, right? So like, if you're not a scientist, like you should denounce any kind of religion. Like for me, oh yeah, like I'm completely on the boat for this like ignoring catholicism right but then it comes all this cultural background like generations of knowledge about like rituals and that catholicism actually fed from so as they'll say anyway, again like, that's very tied to the community like okay guys that doesn't make sense but still it, it's a it's a thing that is in there is a, a concept there so it's yeah like reusing religion to being or witchcraft to just those that weird stuff that's quite dangerous yeah like it feeds into that narrative of whiteness of like what is not logical and like pristine and also a patriarchal like whiteness that demonizes women who who do these practices which are not like scientific quote-unquote or do not benefit capitalism at the end i guess as well so yeah and if you like hearing interesting content and discussions like the one we just had, make sure to donate online at cjsr.com slash donate. Now let's hear from Rose Eva about why CJSR is important to her. Thank you, Michelle. So I've been volunteering with CJSR since 2014. Um, no, 2013, actually. So it's been a long time. And I think what keeps me donating my time and why I love being at CJSR is because of that community that a lot of folks have talked about. And also, I just really appreciate the creative freedom that CJSR gives me. I always like think in my head about like different projects I want to do or like different ideas that I have. But CJSR really provides me like a space to 
execute those ideas. So like, I just think like the idea of having a place where people can come in community to try new things and try something they might not normally do and try something different. And I think just having a space where you can try things out and fail and learn is so important because I think like we're often fed this narrative of like, you can only produce work that is perfect, you know, and that's why I think it was so important for me to be in community with people and having that space to try new things. So I really uh, love the space that CGSR provides for that. And yeah, I love CGSR and I hope everybody does too and that everybody donates. Now we'll be moving into our obscure feminist facts segment. We've each picked some obscure feminist facts that are interesting and thought-provoking and we can't wait to share them with you. So starting off first, my feminist fact is that of the firefighters in Edmonton, there are eight women firefighters and 1,250 men firefighters. So that percentage is so wild to me. I think just because most of the times we assume that like, oh, it's 2021, like things have progressed, things have moved forward and like things are pretty equal. But then when you see like spaces where like there's such a huge inequality and it's like, whoa, it's so mind boggling that there are still spaces where there's just women are so outnumbered by men. Yeah, I thought that that was a really interesting fact too. I think like firefighting in general is a space that comes along with like a lot of like machismo kind of like misogyny kind of stuff. My grandpa was a firefighter for most of his life and he embodied that kind of like very like macho, very misogynistic guy and all of his buddies, you know, as very into like the locker room talk and everything. And obviously this was like a few years ago. So I have no idea if it's still like that, but from his generation, right? Like it was very like, because that job is very built on physical fitness, strength, like heroic kind of like that sort of bravado. I think that it's a space that, like for a long time, I don't think it was very welcoming to women. Like, you know, I think it was very full of misogyny. So I was surprised by that fact, but also like not surprised at the same time, but like surprised that it's still the same. <laughs> yeah, that surprises me so much. Like only eight. I think it just speaks to the culture we live in, in which like a lot of women don't feel safe to be firefighters. Like Autumn was saying, I was struggling to find an obscure fact, but I thought just talking about how like, we don't see capitalism as like obscure is kind of an obscure thing in itself. And like how the pay gap between men and women is 40% in Alberta, 60% of minimum wage earners are women. So I think like just that fact alone and that like there's almost a apathy or just an exhaustion of people not acting on this injustice is really disheartening. And it really like just highlights what's going on with how we undervalue like the labor of women in all areas of life. And another thing about this was like a lot of Albertan women are highly educated, but they still make less than their male counterparts. And that doesn't even talk about like migrant women and how their educational backgrounds and credentials often aren't taken seriously. And that they are forced to work in like lower paying jobs to also maintain this like racial superiority of who gets like the quote unquote good jobs and stuff. Are firefighters paid or is that volunteer run? Oh no, firefighters are definitely like, it's a it's paid, paid. paid job. Uh, sure. Is it more than nurses at this point? Or? It's a good question. Because I think like treating nurse work 
also like that like low paying job is like that's freaking insane sorry <laughs> well i don't know much about like labor history here in Edmonton, but from like in in, in protests and stuff like that i've heard that the nurses union is one of the toughest one like in the sense of like they've had had to bargain a lot and heavy for for their rights which is still very minimum yeah and recently they've had like a lot of struggles with cutbacks and stuff during a time when they've been worked like you know nurses talk about like the overtime they're putting in and putting themselves in danger now with the pandemic and stuff and and a lot of their stuff has been cut down which is very true I think unfortunately nursing sometimes still is not considered like you know as valuable as like other healthcare things you know as a doctor or a surgeon or whatever but like you know nurses are, are very much on the front lines when it comes to like patient care and things like that and they're definitely being like undervalued in the province for sure um speaking about healthcare, my interesting fact i learned about a year ago in my sexual and reproductive health class in canada contraception of all forms was illegal until it was decriminalized in 1969 so up until then you could face up to like two years of jail time if you were found to be like selling or even advertising any form of birth control so that's just crazy to me just thinking about how like up until then you couldn't prevent that right so i guess just like the liberty that um, it brought to like so many people not just women um once that came out but like still thinking about how there's still such an issue with accessing birth control uh with like everyone right now so much of the time, it's still a responsibility put on, you know, like women or um, people with uteruses, right? So it's just an ongoing issue, but that was kind of interesting to me. Yeah, that fact really shocked me. I definitely did not know that. That was one that I didn't know. I was like, 1969? I was like, oh my God. <laughs> that was very shocking. And it is true, like even like birth control now, right? Like I find it crazy that you have to like, I mean, I know you can go to clinics and get it for free as well, but most of the time you have to pay I don't know when I go get my birth control for like a three month supply, it's like over $60 that you're paying like every three months, which like might not seem like a lot to some, but you know, in some ways there definitely can be some like financial barriers being able to access, you know, like proper birth control, not just in the pill form, but you know, there's other forms as well. But yeah, I definitely think there's like a lot of barriers. But yeah, 1969, I'm like my, my grandparents, like, you know, I was like, my grandma was like, that's like her time. You know what I mean? So it feels like so, so close. It's very strange. And it's upsetting that it's been such a long time that we're still having to fight for, you know, control over our own bodies and like what we do with our bodies. Like, you know what I mean? That whole thing of like, we're not just here to make babies. So we should get to choose whether we want them or not. So uh, my fact does not have to do with babies or making babies. But one thing that I'm very interested in, things that I'm doing my thesis in has to do with women in sports and elite level sports and kind of sporting structures and so the International Olympic Committee, which is one that plans, you know, all the different Olympics, no woman has ever served as the head of the IOC since kind of its inception in 1960. And overall, women only chair 11 out of 30 of the commissions for the IOC. So there's several different commissions having to do with like doping, finances, all that kind of stuff. Women only chair 11 of them. And overall, there's like very little female representation in the Olympic Committee or in the IPC, the International Paralympic Committee. We have seen like some increases but like yeah I think it's usually sits around like definitely below half and I think we see this a lot especially like sport is a very uh, male dominated arena it was created by men for other men you know as a way to show like masculine traits strength like athletic prowess and stuff and so we see that women still struggle to be recognized as athletes and as coaches and as leaders 
we see it all the time in professional sport where women aren't given the same respect and dignity as leaders, whether that's trying to be like a manager, a coach, or, you know, like heading up the International Olympic Committee. Yeah, we're still not taking very seriously in that arena, which I think is really unfortunate because it's not like there's women who who can't do the job. You know, there's just like definitely a lack of opportunity for them being selected. I think sport is something that's still very much considered like a, a man's kind of activity, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, that was one thing I've recently learned a lot about like the Olympic community and the Paralympic committee. And I thought that was one thing that was interesting to me. Yeah, I know a friend who practices taekwondo in, in BC and in the island. There's some wide regulator also, but kind of like a Canadian board of Taekwondo or whatever. There was like some like some some cases of sexual assault in like in those the the the, the places that practice the the, the art, and uh, she having to denounce this guy while he's on like on judge, and then she having to train uh, like these young students and the families being against her for denouncing this guy. I was like, Fuck. yeah, unfortunately at the Olympic level. And like high level athletics, there's a lot of issues like sexual harassment and sexual assault. And there are issues with it being a lot of like covering that up and things like that. Like I think about there's a documentary on Netflix called Athlete A that's about the doctor for the USA gymnastics Olympic team who sexually assaulted like hundreds of girls under the guise that it was medical, you know, intervention or techniques. And unfortunately, like the USA gymnastics olympic committee like covered that up because they didn't want to make the waves you know that had to do with that and i think unfortunately there's a lot of that that happens with like coaches and, and other male people in positions of power over typically a lot of times in female sports it is like younger women in gymnastics and and other things like that and so you see them being like brainwashed and abused and stuff and it's like definitely unfortunate I think there's a lot of toxic masculinity that exists within those structures that have to do with the olympics for sure and uh, so my Interestingly enough, while I was looking uh, like for an obscure feminist fact, I stumbled upon a research article that touches on feminism and communication. And the article just generally summarized research done on the history of feminism in various modes of communication. I, I was I gained focus in a section that highlighted the crucial role of community, community radio in uplifting voices that confront normative narratives. So the, the first sentence goes as, Many African nations have witnessed an increase in community radio since the 1990s when political systems opened up. These stations have been used to strengthen democracy and increase representation of people, particularly women, and niches previously ignored. And so then it goes later into mentioning like one of the most successful stations is the Feminist International Radio Endeavor. And an online radio station located in Costa Rica and is broadcast in Spanish and English so the fact is that, that I want to, to highlight is that like when political systems opened up, radio was a huge platform for women narratives in this uh, oppressed most of the nations. Yeah, I think that's super interesting. And I love how it kind of ties into like what we do here kind of with like community radio, Adam and Eve, I'd like to believe that we um, bring same kind of thing like voices, you know, to non-normative stories and kind of try to highlight those things. And I think CGSR in general is able to bring, you know, I think we're able to be a bit more political and a bit more, you know, kind of like controversial about the things that we're producing. I like to think that on our show, we're trying to bring more controversial topics or bring up things that are um, not in the mainstream when it comes to like, you know, things about race or sex or gender and things like that. It makes me think of not this necessarily like feminist, but it makes me think of like um, 
like pirate radio back in the 60s, like when you, they couldn't play rock music. So like DJs were like, you know, on boats in the middle of the ocean to broadcast like rock music and stuff. So I think I definitely believe that like radio has been used as kind of a, a place of rebellion and kind of standing up against power structures. And I think, I think it's cool. And I think we are lucky to still be a part of those kind of stories. Um, yeah. And I think that ties perfectly into why I love um, being at CJSR so much because like, um, like you said, being able to explore all of these controversial quote unquote um, topics or like things that just aren't talked about very much and being able to explore them with such like a like-minded group of people and um, this just this great community of people, this little coven of ours um, and everything. So I just lo- I, I love learning with all of you and I really hope that all of our listeners love learning with us as well. And if you do, uh, please donate to us um, and so we can keep on learning together. And what about you, Wen? <laughs> what drives you to continue to volunteer with CGSR? Yeah, I, I think like I echo what everyone else has said. And I think radio is like one of the last places that people can like access for free and is like for the most part more accessible to people. And you can literally cross barriers physically and also belief wise. It's a way to reach people and to challenge existing power structures that are harmful. And I think like being able to contribute in this way has been really wonderful to just find community um, and to hopefully spark something in other people to do something from the content that we make or that um, they listen to on CGSR to find what resonates with them to act for change that would better like everyone's chances of a good life. I would really encourage folks to donate if they are able to. If not, please share on your social media if you can. You can donate by just texting CJSR to 41010 to automatically donate $10. And yeah, please donate. That brings us to the end of the special Fun Drive edition of Adam and Eve, Edmonton's only feminist news program. Thanks to all of my fellow Adam and Eve producers for their contributions to this episode. And thanks to all of you, our listeners, for continuing to support diverse voices on radio. To donate to CJSR, you can do it online at cjsr.com donate, or call the station at 780-492-2577, extension 0, or text the word CJSR to 41010. We produced this week's show in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, on Treaty 6 territory. We spent this hour looking at the obscurity of feminism, finding out what mythical creature we all are, as well as talking about witchcraft and the cult and sharing some feminist facts. We are grateful to be in the traditional territory of the diverse Indigenous peoples of this land. We recognize that Canada is a violent colonial state. Canada continues to disregard the sovereignty and livelihood of the diverse First Nations locally and internationally. We encourage you to reflect on your own relationship further and ask what accountability would look like here in practice for yourself, the communities you are a part of, and the larger systems that shape our daily access and opportunities. Thank you very much for tuning in. We've been your hosts, Rose Eva Forbes Jenkins, Michelle Dang, Autumn Mornchuk, Luis Fuentes, and Wen Chan. Have, Have an, an avid evening. evening. It was.